0: Hi, welcome to Bible Study. Glad you're here. Tonight I will be using the, the name Eusebius, so watch for it. It's coming. All right. It's great to see you. Glad you're here. Thanks for taking a portion of your evening to spend with us. We're going to begin our time in prayer, so let's pray. Father, thanks for being here with us. I just thank you, Jesus, that uh, you are in the midst of your people when we gather in your name. So we welcome you, we ask you that you would empower us, uh, you would enlighten us, we pray God that we would have really just an open heart and open mind to receive what you want to pour into us tonight. We pray revelation, we pray understanding, and I ask you God for an application into each of our lives, uh, just personally, that you would speak something specifically for each one of us tonight. Uh, through what's being taught and through what we're reading uh, from the scriptures. So, God, we ask that we would respond to you. We ask, God, that you would uh, really we be changed somehow, some way tonight. Challenge us. We give you permission. Challenge us. And I pray, God, that we would learn of you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Psalm 7. If you need a Bible, you can grab one off the table. We have Bibles for you to use tonight. Uh, These Bibles are also available. If you need a Bible to take home, you can. And uh, they are, we obtained Bibles to give away. So you can have that Bible if you would like it. So Psalm 7, verses 15 and 16. Psalm 7, verses 15 and 16. Thank you. Yes, that, this, this is Wiley Coyote <laughs> at his best. And if you're not familiar with Wiley Coyote, sorry, but he's a pretty famous cartoon character. Yeah, I mean just everything he does, all right? This is his verse. These are his verses of Wiley Coyote. It was a roadrunner cartoon. You remember that? And uh, he would try to set a trap. For the roadrunner, but he could never catch him. And then he would end up springing in his own trap and it would it would get him and then that would, that's how it worked. That was Wiley Coyote. I think the youngsters are mostly gone at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So so this the, these verses are about and and they're not particularly about but Wiley Coyote fits into the parameters of what these verses are talking about. And so, if that helps you to remember these verses, or it helps you to understand what they're really trying to say through this, then use it. It's a good tool, and it's the first thing I always think of. I can remember reading through the Bible for the first time when I became a Christian. I ran across some verses, these verses, and also some verses in Proverbs that talk about the same thing. And I thought my immediate thought was "Wiley Coyote," and it made me laugh. And I just, I can, I can just vividly remember. And this was a lot of years ago. Just laughing out loud. I'm like, here's Wiley Coyote. And and certainly, uh, it's a good tool at least to remember the principle behind what's being said here. And I think the principle behind it is what we're really looking at. And so I want to take a few minutes to really look at these verses. I want to take a few minutes to really think about what's being said in them and to see how we could really uh, apply a principle to this. Now, what's being described here is a man who makes a pit. Now, he's not just digging a hole for no reason. People don't dig holes for no reason unless they're in prison or the military. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, otherwise, they you got to have a reason to dig a hole. I mean, it takes effort, right? So, I mean, it, for whatever reason. I mean, if you want to dig a hole to bury a jar of money, not that anybody we know would ever do that, but you could. And you could bury that jar of money in a hole in the ground. Or let's say you needed to dispose of something that you didn't want to see anymore. You could dig a hole and do that. And for example, when we're camping or, or hiking sometimes, we, we have to get rid of our refuse. So uh, we dig a hole and then we put it in there and just cover it over. So, you know, and there's other examples I'm sure you can think of, but other reasons why you might dig a hole, but there's a reason to do it. And in these verses, what we're looking at is that this guy is making a trap and the reason we know that is because then it describes how he enhances the trap afterwards so he's digging a pit or a trap and it would be something you would cover with light materials like for whatever and so you would trap either man or beast in your trap that's why you're doing it and so the way they would trap beasts in these traps is that they would dig the pit nice and deep and they describe it going nice and deep why do you want it nice and deep so it can't get out right so whatever you're trying to trap you need it deep enough that whatever you're trapping can't get out of the pit so these verses take a moment and describe okay he dug a pit and then he made it deeper why would he make it deeper so that whatever he's trying to trap wouldn't be able to get out so so here's the pit here's the you cover that over with some nice material that kind of looks like the ground or kind of looks like something and then you drive the person Or Lure the beast or however, you're gonna do it over the pit so that when the beast or the person steps on That light material it falls through and they fall into the pit. That's how you trap them now So that's what's being described here and and so what is being implied here is that that evil Whatever that evil was that he was trying to perpetrate and let's assume he was digging it for his neighbor He's digging a pit, he's luring his neighbor over, whoever the person was, but instead of the neighbor falling into the pit, he fell into the pit, the guy who dug it. So, in our example of Wiley Coyote, Wiley Coyote dug the pit and he made it nice and deep, all right? And so he was luring the roadrunner to run across the pit. But when the roadrunner, and you may have seen this one if you have, just bear with me. So, the roadrunner runs across the pit but doesn't fall in because the roadrunner is going so fast that the roadrunner isn't on the light material long enough to fall in, right? So then Wiley Coyote thinks, well, this thing, stupid thing isn't working. So he goes out to get a step on the pit because obviously the roadrunner went across and, of course, he steps on it and then he falls into the pit. All right, we got the picture? Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, if you saw that one, I didn't mean to ruin it for you, but that that's what happened. All right, so so, so whatever he intended for the other, he brought upon himself. And what's interesting about it is because he took the time to dig it extra deep, he can't get out either, right? So the trap that he made, the pit that he dug, and he took the time to dig it extra deep became a place where he's trapped and a place that he can't get out of. All right, so... What was the name I told you I was going to mention at the beginning? Anybody remember? Eusebius? Okay, Eusebius, he is a historian, and he was a historian for Constantine. And so in one of Constantine's victories, uh, the, the city that they were going to fight against, the, the ruler of that city had lined up boats in order to make a boat bridge. And he had lined up the boats so that he would have a better means of attack against Constantine's army. But what happened was, is that Constantine used the boat bridge to cross over and to completely destroy him and to gain victory. And so what had happened was, is that the means by which this man thought he was going to gain the victory became ultimately his defeat, his own demise. And so Eusebius quoted Psalm 7, 15 and 16 in his account of the victory of Constantine over I think it was Maxim Maximilian or one of the whoever it was, but quoted these verses when he gave his account of it. So I thought that was kinda of interesting. Because there it is in history. So it's not just Wiley e. Coyote. Alright? I mean people have been doing this for a really long time. This is a human condition. This is a part of our human condition, and, and we're looking at physical things, and yeah, you can talk about physical things, like you set something up or whatever, but I, I think that for most of us, this is more of an emotional or spiritual thing, more of a mental thing. And we find ourselves in the midst of whatever it is, our trap making, our pit digging, that we think is going to be this great and awesome thing, and we end up, being trapped by it ourselves, ultimately. Now, when Jesus talks about certain things, he talks about something like, uh, he says, don't judge people. All right? And that's kind of an interesting one because he not only tells us not to judge people, but then he tells us what happens if we do judge people. So don't judge people. Why? For what measure you have judged them, you also will be judged. So in other words, it's like digging the pit. We dig the pit and we look at somebody and say, well, look at them. They're horrible, blah, blah, blah. We don't make our judgments against them. And there's our pit, and then we're going to put them right in the pit. Problem is we are in the pit. Problem is that we can't get out of that. Problem is that, that the principles behind these verses come about in our lives because of our own actions. And you can't blame anybody else. Who dug the pit? That guy dug the pit. Who digs the pit in our life? We dig the pit. That's the problem with it. And as deep as we want to make it and as as hard to get out of it, as we want to make it, as airtight as we want to try to make our case, we're making the case against ourselves. I mean, some of us like to argue more than others. And we may have an airtight case or whatever it is we think we have. problem is that that then turns on us. People of grace receive grace. People of judgment receive judgment. It's just how God set things up. You dig the pit to try to trap somebody, you're going to fall in. And, And so what comes around, you know, it goes around. And there's a statement being made here. There's a thought being shared here about that. Somebody look at Psalm 9, 16. right the works of whose hand their own. their own the devil made me do it well did he okay I, I you know i don't know maybe you got deceived i have no idea but when it comes right down to it and you want to assign blame it's by the works of your own hands and i think if we can really understand if we can grab a hold of this it'd be it could be it, it possibly could be one of those life-changing moments for some of us, if you could actually grab hold of that. If you could actually grab hold of a concept called personal responsibility, it could be life-changing. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, good. I'm glad you're looking at me like I'm crazy, because maybe you know what I'm talking about. Now, I, I want this to sink in because... Uh, over time, we've lost that concept as a society. We make excuses for people. We make excuses for ourselves. Our moms and our dads made excuses for us. And so we grow up without that understanding. And it seems crazy to some of you that are older. You're thinking, What are you talking about? Well, what I'm talking about is a built-in excuse system that is being handed to children to say it's not your fault. You never want to say it's your fault or his fault or her fault or whatever it would be because then you're, you're being mean. The problem with that is, is that each of us, we bear the consequences of our decisions. Whether or not somebody tells us it's our fault or not, we still bear the consequences of that. And it doesn't help us any And we're starting to try to negotiate a spiritual reality, a kingdom reality. It doesn't help us to want to blame somebody else. It doesn't help us to have somebody around that we can scapegoat on. It doesn't help us to try and have some spiritual being to blame or whatever it is. It doesn't help us to hand over responsibility for our lives, to say, yeah, this is my doing, and pretend it's somebody else's doing. It doesn't help anybody. Particularly us. You know, no one really pities the fate of someone who digs a pit to trap somebody and falls into it themselves. I mean, they just don't. I mean, I never really felt bad for Wiley e. Coyote. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. I was like, there he is again. Now, I was a little kid, right? Little kid, five years old, whatever, watching the cartoon. Oh, he's going to walk over that. Oh, he's going to fall in again. He's going to fall off that cliff. He does every time. I didn't feel bad for him. You know why? Because he, he's getting what he what he's doing. In other words, he's trying to do all of these things, and he's falling into himself. I don't feel bad about that. I just don't. And, and I think that's a common way to look at it. I don't know that there's a lot of pity for people who who fall into their own traps. I don't, I don't think there's a lot of pity for people who mean evil for somebody else, and that evil comes back onto them. Have you ever been in a movie like that, where somebody sets a trap and they get caught in their own trap? People cheer when the bad guy gets caught in his own trap. They just cheer about that. I think that's great. It's like, Yeah. That guy totally deserved that. And it's just that kind of the way it is. It's the way we think about things. It's the way that life is, I guess. But a guy falls into a pit meant for his neighbor that he dug. Yeah, you want to bring ruin on others, but you yourself fall into it? That's okay. We got something in us that's okay with that. Unless it's us, of course. But for other people, generally, I mean, we're generally okay with that. It's just not... For us, because we, we we don't want that. The verse there, in verse 16, it talks about the, the man's violent dealings. It says that they would be heaped upon the pate. His pate. What's the pate? Anybody know what a pate is? It's the top of your head. Yeah. The very top. The crown of your head. Well, that's your crown, then. Your violent dealings will give you a crown. What's your crown? Violent dealings. You win. You got it. That's what you get. And so there, there again, you have the same kind of understanding. I mean, mischief. Where is mischief conceived? Yeah, it's in the heart of the mind. It's in you. It's in us, right in our mind. You know, we, 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 that's where mischief comes from. And then mischief manifests itself. And how does mischief manifest itself? Well, you know what? It hurts people. That, that you might think it's a great idea, or you might think it's not going to hurt anybody or whatever, but mischief almost all the time will hurt somebody else. It's not just yours to have. In other words, mischief by yourself isn't really mischief. Mischief that causes people to be uncomfortable, mischief that causes people to, to cost them something or whatever. That's what real mischief is. You know, I think about things that I've done in my life when I was a teenager. There was some mischief, some mischief going on there, and there I can't think of one time that me having fun at, at the expense and, and mischief, you know, mischievizing or whatever, being mischievous. I, I I can't think of any time it didn't cost somebody something. You know, it might have scared somebody, it might have caused somebody to have to stop their car, it might have you know prompted somebody to chase me through the woods for for a mile and a half. I mean, it could be anything. All right, but it would be irritating enough and cost enough that it causes trouble. That's what mischief is. And me, I'm just, oh, I'm just having fun. Yeah, well, what does that cost that person? What does that cost the people around me who can't run as fast as I do? What does that cost the people who live in the house that's right there? Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, you're a nice guy. I kept running. It wasn't my brother. It wasn't my brother. Yeah. Yeah, I just kept going. Yeah. So, what I'm getting at is that we conceive of these things in our hearts. And the problem with it is is that we act on certain things that we conceive in our hearts, and it costs us something. And it's going to cost us something. Not only does it cost us something, it usually costs somebody else something, too. and usually hurts somebody. So we need to make bigger, grown-up decisions now that we're grown up. We need to make better decisions now that we have matured. We need to make better decisions now that we know Jesus. We need to make better decisions now that we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us and leading us and guiding us and, and helping us. And whatever mischief that is in our hearts or in our minds, we need to deal with that. Because the bottom line on all of that is that it doesn't go anywhere good. It's not really fun. And it's not really something that we want to see returning our way. So you think about these different people in the Bible even. Where, where this has happened. I mean, think about the person who shoots an arrow straight up in the air. Have you ever had anybody do that around you? I have. I want to beat them. All right. Once I run out of the way and get under something and that arrow comes down, I want to beat them. And I mean that as nicely as I can in Jesus' name. <laughs> Okay, maybe Jesus doesn't have anything to do with it. But I don't like that at all. And, and I've had such weird friends that that would not be unheard of, even common. Yeah, yeah. No, but if it had come down and killed the kid who shot up in the air, that's the way it goes, right? Shouldn't have shot that in the air. Because if it came down, well, this is older than that, even. This comes down some, between somebody's feet and somebody's foot or something like that. As a people, you know, generally, we're like, eh. If it hits somebody else, though, so that's messed up. That's messed up. Now, think about guys in the Bible. I was just thinking about a couple of people about, like, Saul. Think about Saul. Here's a, he's a guy, he went out, and he hired the Philistines against David. All right? All right, somebody look at 1 Samuel 18, 17. So Saul goes out, and he's like, all right, well, Philistines will take care of David. Let's just uh, let's just help them out a little bit. Let's give them a little incentive, and they'll take care of David, and then we don't have to deal with him. All right? So 1 Samuel 18, 17. Anybody want to read that? Yeah, see, that's his plan, right? That's his plan. Somebody read 1 Samuel 31, two. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. And the Philistines <laughs> struck down Jonathan and uh, Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. <laughs> All right, well, hey, good thing he counted on those guys, right? Right, he was counting on those guys to get David. Who'd they get? They got him and his sons. That's who they got. Well, look at a different spot. Look at First uh, Samuel twenty-six, ten. So what you have there, you have the first part of it is Saul. We're going to let the Philistines do the dirty work. Then you've got that word that came forth in in 1 Samuel 26 that he's going to die in battle at the hands of who? The Philistines. Then you have 1 Samuel 31, 2. Who's going to kill him? Who does kill him? The Philistines. All right, well, they wounded him. They killed his sons. He killed himself. So his plan ended up being what? On him. All right, that's what happened. What about uh, the book of Esther? What do you know about the book of Esther? That Haman had created this um, thing to hang uh, Mordecai on and ended up hanging out of itself. Right, right. Haman built the, the world's largest gallows, all right? <laughs> To hang Mordecai on because he was so upset with Mordecai. He set the whole thing up. He had everything ready to go. He sprung the trap. Mordecai was right in it. It was working, 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 working until the last second and turned on him. and ended up being hung on the same gallows that he built for Mordecai. Whoa. Hmm. Hmm. So Haman was hanged on his own gallows. That's messed up. No, that's about right. (laughs) That's about right. All right? And there's a lot of things that had to happen in between there. You can read the book of Esther. It's not that long. But a lot of things in Esther 5 through 7 that had to happen in order to see that take place. But the reality of it is the spiritual principle is, Minus all of the details of that, the spiritual principle is the same, right? Just like all the things that took place between Saul letting the Philistines take care of the dirty work with David, and Saul being killed by, or his family being killed by them, and him being overthrown by them. A lot of things took place, a lot of, you know, people, and places, and, and interactions, and all these things took place in between, but the spiritual principle is the same, that, that he did that, and... What happened? It came back down upon his pate. That's what happened. Just like Haman came back down upon his pate. And here we are. Just think about, too, and here's a New Testament example the same Jewish leaders who excited the Romans to crucify Jesus. Guess who were being crucified? Years later, the same Jewish leaders were being crucified by the Romans. whole people ended up being dispersed the world. Absolutely. But I want you to think about that for a second. They they got themselves, they said, we're going to get this guy crucified, and they got everybody hyped up, worked up, the Romans crucified him. But who would that turn on later then? Same thing. They were crucified. So I want to give just a few examples. Because what these begin to point to, and what I believe this begins to point to, is a powerful Savior. Because this is the natural way of things. This is the natural way. It's like, you know, you see in the New Testament, what does it say? Whatever you shall sow, what? What? And also you will reap. That is a New Testament concept. Right? That is. And that whole idea of sowing and reaping, you're planting this seed. Well, does it pop up immediately? Usually not. But it does grow. If you put a, uh, a tomato seed into the ground, eventually it grows a tomato plant. And that plant eventually grows up and gives you some tomatoes on it. Because just the seed you planted. As long as it's not a ghost pepper, you might get a fruit on it. But, I mean, if you, if you plant a, a tomato and you want cucumbers, what's going to happen? You're going to be disappointed. You're not going to get what you want from that. But you planted the wrong thing. And the New Testament principle is you're going to plant whatever you're going to plant. You're going to sow whatever you're going to sow. But it's what you've sown is what you're going to reap. That's how it works. All of nature points to that. Creation points to that. That's older than the law. That's older than, than and then any of the patriarchs. That's older than all of it. That's right from the creation. All right? That, that was made into the existence. From the very start, God said, this is how it's going to be, and this is the way this is going to happen. And that was all there was to it. And it still is. And so when, when those seeds are planted, when those seeds fall on the ground, that's what they're going to produce. And all that we see in the New Testament, all that we see in the, the Old Testament, in Psalm 7 or in Proverbs, wherever that is, it's the same verse in Proverbs, or you go into the New Testament and you see these things, what you're seeing from all of this is this idea that was built into the creation, and that is whatever you are going to sow into the ground is what you're going to reap later. When? I don't know. It's whenever it comes up. I can't tell you that. And even if you plant tomato seeds and you forget what you planted in the field, it's still going to come up, probably. And there's still going to be tomatoes, and it's still going to be what, you, what it was, even if you try to forget it, or even if you try to ignore it, or even if you don't even want to think about it anymore. Well, good, but it's still going to come up. And that is the issue for us. Somehow we all think that we've been exempted from that, and yet we're not exempted from that. There's, there's a little bit of wily e. Coyote in all of us. And for whatever way that we're going about it, whatever pit we're digging, there's a, there's a good piece of that in us. And we think to ourselves, well, yeah, but this and that, whatever. And here's the, here's the issue with the Christian response to that. You ready? Yeah, but Jesus will forgive me. Okay, I can believe that, but you go into this with this attitude, well, this is never going to come up. Why? Well, because Jesus will forgive me. Well, that's the wrong way to think about it. Here's the right way to think about it. First of all, yeah, don't do it. But let's say it happens. Well, I'm going to tell you something here. That seed is going to germinate. That seed is going to spring up. And there's a plant that's going to come up, and there's going to be a fruit that comes onto that plant. The real question here is, are you going to reap it, or is Jesus going to reap it? Because one of us is going to. It's either going to be me, or it's going to be Jesus. And this is either going to come back on me, to hurt me, or it's going to be put onto him. And and if you can get your mind around this, get it around it, it's going to be put onto him as it was at the cross. All right, that's when it was put onto him. But somebody's going to pay for it, even if it's not you. All right, because the principle of it is, is that it still happens. How do I know that? How I know that is because the trees, the little helicopters still fall, little maple trees grow in my yard. That's how I know that. All right, because it's still happening. How do I know that? Because creation is still going on. How do I know that? Because it's the way God set it in motion. And so what happens is, is that i got a big Savior. I've got a powerful Savior. That's what happens. And as I as I, play, as I lay this before him, and I ask for forgiveness, as I lay this before him and, and recognize his saving work, and I confess my sins, he is faithful, he is just, and he will forgive me and he will cleanse me. But it doesn't mean that thing doesn't come to pass, because it does. It does grow up, and it does produce fruit. But he said he's willing, he's willing to reap that for me. And that's powerful. Because it's not a question of whether he's willing or not. He's willing. The real question comes as to, we need to recognize things like this in our life. I really believe that. You know, ignorance is bliss? Not always. Not always. Because there's things in our lives that we sow into and we say we want to forget. Well, if you, you're, you're successful at that, guess who's not reaping? Jesus. Guess who's reaping? You. Me. Well, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize I planted a tomato seed. You didn't? Okay. What you going to get, though? whether you realize it or not. I didn't know I planted a tomato seed. What's going to happen? You're going to get a tomato plant, all right? And that's going to bear tomato fruit. That's what happens. It just keeps happening. And and there's patterns in our life like that, aren't there? Aren't there patterns in our lives as Christians? And we'd like to say, yeah, well, you know, I, I'll just let Jesus take care of it. Well, right, but who's going to... We're a part of breaking the pattern. We're a part of recognizing what we're planting of looking at it of really taking the time to ask for forgiveness and cleansing and of allowing that place for Jesus to reap what we've sown and break the pattern in our lives there's no excuse that I know of except for I I guess there's mental issues or laziness but I don't know of a lot of excuses in our life just to keep doing the same things over and over again that hurt us and hurt other people. Abject selfishness? I don't know. What would you call that? What would you call doing the same things over and over again that's hurting you and hurting the people around you? And yet you won't stop. What do you call that? Yeah, right. Insanity. There's some. There's some illness in that. Can you see that? All right. If there's some illness in that, then we're, we're at a place where we can do something about it. You can do something about it. I can do something about it. Where we say, okay, I've got this pattern in my life. This needs to stop. Stop it. It really does. And, and as we come to that place in our life where, where we're asking Jesus, he, he can give us people in our life to help us. He can give us tools in our hands to help us do that. But the real point I'm trying to make is coming to a place where we recognize it for what it is. It's destructive. It's hurting me, and it's hurting the people around me. It needs to stop. And you know what? I can't make that decision for you. Nobody can. You have to make that decision. Jesus is ready. He is ready to step in and reap what you've sown. He's ready. But, but you got to come to that place you got to come to that place where where we're asking God to forgive us. We're asking Him to have mercy on us. And He does. He's big and He's powerful and He's willing. But we need to come to a place in our life like that. And sometimes I guess those places are more dramatic than others, but there's still those places and it's still a reality. There's big things in our life like that and there's small things in our life like that. There's things that are affecting really a lot of people in our life like that, and there's things that are only affecting a few people in our life like that. A very limited number. But it's still important to get free. It's still important to stop that cycle in our life. It's just really important to get past it. And Jesus offers a way if we'll allow it. You know, I, I don't pity myself when I reap what I sow. Right? I just don't. I don't have any pity on myself. I think to myself, you know what? I did this. And this is what happens. This is what happens when I do this. And I'm not surprised by it. I'm not shocked by it. It's just what happens. But my next move is the important move. I don't need to feel pity on myself. I need to ask Jesus for change in my life. That's my next move. I need to ask Jesus for forgiveness in my life. I need to ask Jesus to to give me strength. I need to do what I need to do with him in order to get the help, in order to do the things I need to do. And where that means I need some discipline in my life, that some self-imposed discipline, if I need somebody to help me and keep me accountable, and whatever it is I need to do, whatever is there, I mean, I need the forgiveness and I need the cleansing of Jesus, but what other tools that are necessary, whatever things that need to take place, I need to get those in place and I need to see change in my life, period. How many times are you going to reap destruction in your life? Because you're too proud to take responsibility for it. It's always somebody else's fault. Really? Doubtful. I did everything I could do. I don't think so. You know, the Bible talks about it says you have not resisted sin to the shedding of your own blood. That's a pretty high standard. It's from the book of Hebrews. Chapter 10, I believe. I remember reading that as a young Christian too, thinking, "Whoa, that's right. I haven't, not yet. Back then, that's pretty high standard." And so, what what I'm what I'm trying to get across to you is this: that there's always hope, there's always mercy, there's always grace. We serve a huge God, and if I can encourage you to anything tonight, it's really to take hold of this idea. And and to to really really kinda of lean in on Jesus on this. Because in, in one sense I'm telling you, okay, you're wily e. coyote. You dug the pit, you fall into it, it's how it goes. Well that is the way of the world. But in another sense I'm telling you, you got a big savior you got a big God that you're serving and a God full of love and mercy and grace over you that if you will confess, God, I dug that pit, I'm really sorry, I, I, I ask for your forgiveness, that he is faithful, he is just, he will forgive you, and he will cleanse you from that unrighteousness and set you free. Because the thing about the pit is you can't climb out of that yourself. You dug it too deep. That was the point of those verses in Psalm is that he dug it so deep that a person can't get out of it, including himself. So you have to have help. You have to. And so we ask. We ask, and he is faithful to give. And that is the real news of all this. The real real news of this isn't that we're screw-ups. We figured that part out a long time ago. The real news of this isn't that we we make bad decisions. We figured that out a long time ago. I, I don't need to tell you that. I don't need to tell you you're screwed up. I don't need to tell you you make bad decisions. You don't need to tell me that. I understand that. You don't need to tell me lots of stuff. I get it. But the real question isn't, okay, you did this thing and now here are the consequences. The real question is, what are you going to do about it? That's the real question. Saul could have made a different decision about David, couldn't he? Even though he dug the pit, couldn't he have repented? Couldn't he have, have honored David? Couldn't he have taken David into his house in reality and loved David like his son did? Yeah, he could have. But he chose not to. And what happened? The pit he dug, he fell into. You know, you think about a guy like Haman. Did Haman have to live in that kind of hatred? Really? Couldn't he have forgiven? Or couldn't he have have asked forgiveness? Couldn't he have, have turned the other way? Couldn't he have gone and lived in a different town? Couldn't he have just been happy with the position that he did have? And the honor that he did have? Did he have to try to destroy somebody else? Did he have to try to bring somebody down? Did he have to try to force his way onto somebody? Did he have to do that? No, he didn't. Did he have to build the world's biggest gallows? Did he have to hatch a scheme in order to catch Mordecai in it so he could kill him? No, he didn't have to do any of those things. But he did. And he could have made a different decision. And he could have done something different. As, and at any point really during that he could have done something differently. And yet he didn't. And so the pit that he dug, the gallows that he built, he was hanged on. He fell into his pit. Now, uh, you, you think even the New Testament, I mean, those, those the leaders of the synagogue, of the temple, that, that whipped the crowd up and got them all upset with Jesus, with the Romans, they knew better. They knew that the Romans were not to be trusted. They knew it. They didn't care. They were a means to an end. And at any point, they could have made a different decision on that. And they didn't. And so because they didn't and they chose not to, they fell into their own pit and they were crucified as well. So we have opportunity. Each of those groups, and I just use those as examples, but they could have made different decisions. Each one of them could have. And yet they didn't. And yet they they, they chose to continue on in their hatred, or they chose to continue on in their, their revenge, or they chose to continue on in whatever it was their jealousy, or they chose to continue on in whatever it was that they were choosing to continue on in, didn't they? And that which they sowed, they reaped. I'm going to just ask you to think about a couple things here. And and I want you to think about a pattern in your life, maybe, tonight. Maybe a pattern, something that cycles through over and over and over again. I want you to think about that. or I want you to think about maybe something else, like uh, something that you're really carrying with you, that you've been carrying for a while, of jealousy or hatred or judgment. Or whatever it might be. That you're holding against somebody. I want you to think about that. Or I want you to think about just uh, uh, maybe some other kind of a judgment that you've made against somebody. To make them look bad or to somehow magnify yourself. To make you look good. Whatever it might be. And as you're thinking about that thing, I want you to just really consider what it would mean for you to stop it right now. What it would really mean for you to stop the judgment, to stop that jealousy that can just confess it and to ask for forgiveness and cleansing from it. Maybe to recognize something that you sowed a long time ago that you still haven't reaped yet. And what it would mean to just ask Jesus to forgive you and to cleanse you and to set you free from that. What would that look like? I mean, really, what would it look like? Does that sound really hard? Now, I don't know what getting free might look like. like. If you have patterns in your life and cycles, I don't know what getting free for you might look like. It might be accountability. It might be you putting yourself in, into a group of people that are going to help you. It might be you putting yourself under someone's authority that's going to speak into your life to help you through it. I don't know what that looks like. I can't tell you. But is it worth being free? I hope so. I hope it's worth being free to you to do what's necessary to get free and not live in slavery and bondage to those cycles in your life. I mean, there's certain things that we can get free from, even generational cycles. Generational curses that have been over our families. There were certain things at some point in my life where I just said, I will not carry this on. I just won't. I will not carry on this cycle. I will not carry on this this evil thing that has been passed down through my family. I will not burden my family the way that people in my family have been burdened. I will not do that anymore. And practically what that meant was for me to repent. Not only for me, but also to to forgive the people that have come before me. And to repent, in some cases, for some of the things that they've done. And for me to get cleansed, and me to get free of that. And not to carry the anger, and not to carry the unforgiveness, and not to carry everything that comes along with that. Just to be free. And however many weeks that took, or months, I have no idea... But the years that have followed have been well worth whatever that investment was. I can't even remember what the investment was anymore. But I'm not carrying it on. I just won't do it. There are things like that for you. There may be. There may be some generational things that you need to put a stop to. And if there are, then do it. However long it takes. Because of everything I'm talking about tonight, I'm really talking about getting free. I'm really talking about stopping the self-abuse that comes from reaping and sowing the same dumb stuff all the time. I'm really talking about getting free so you're not hurting the people around you. Keep hurting them over and over and over again. I'm talking about getting free so that you can live in a new joy in your own life of what that means. So as you're thinking about all those things, I just want to take a few minutes to pray. And let's just ask God to set us free. And you may need to ask forgiveness for a couple things and do that. I'm not going to watch over you to see what you have to say or what you're talking to God about. You just talk to Him. If if you've confessed your sin, He is faithful, He is just, and He will forgive you. Confess those uh, those, uh, cyclic things in your life. Confess them and and we need a break in Jesus' name. Yeah. yeah, it's a generational curses that you're just carrying on. You yourself are carrying on. There's just no more. Stop. Stop that. I, I won't carry it any further. And ask for that cleansing. And you may need to forgive some people. But let's get free. Let's call on a big, big, big Savior in Jesus and get free tonight. He's more than willing. He's more than willing to, to reap what you've sown. He is more than willing to stand in between you and that judgment. He's more than willing to help you as you get free from things in your life. More than willing. And let's really, let's, let's call on him tonight. Let's pull on him tonight. Because he's big and he's strong and he's powerful. So Heavenly Father, as we are before you tonight, I just, I just want to pray just a a real forgiveness. And and it is a general forgiveness over us for our unbelief. Because Jesus, you are a huge Savior. You are a huge Savior, and you have lots of mercy and grace and lots of forgiveness for us that you want to pour out into our lives. I pray, God, that we would cease being the, the limiting factor of that in our own lives. That we would cease being the stopping point of more of your grace and more of your mercy and more of your forgiveness flowing through our lives. But God, tonight I, I pray that we would put ourselves in a position to really receive. You know, God, I pray for those of us that are here that we need to uh, just ask your forgiveness for something that we've sown, got a judgment or a jealousy or or some something that we have sown God, we we need your forgiveness and cleansing in Jesus' name. Just allow him to cleanse you. Allow him to just pour over you and and bring cleansing over your heart and over your life. A lot of times I I think about the blood of Jesus just, just pouring over me. And I know that sounds really gross, but man, I know there's cleansing in that and I want that. I want that. And so I need that. And I and I just want to encourage you to let that that cleansing just pour over you tonight to set you free. Man, if you're carrying something, if you're if you're carrying a jealousy or whatever it is, it may have been you, you're carrying this thing for years. It could be against a sibling, it could be against a parent, it could be against whoever, whomever. God, we need to get free. We want to be free. In Jesus' name. We want to be free. There may be cycles in your life that you've been thinking about. They keep coming up. They keep coming up. And it brings destruction not only to you but to the people around you. God, we we just ask your forgiveness for carrying on. For carrying on with these cycles in our life. for, For even standing around and letting it happen. I'm sorry, God. It's time to take a stand. And we may need help, we may need people to to be with us, we may need people to to help us to, to overcome and hold us accountable and to give us wisdom and help us, but God, I thank you that we're going to start this with you right now, that we want to be free in Jesus' name. So Jesus, I pray that you'd set us free in our hearts, you'd set us free in our minds tonight, and I pray whatever decisions we need to make to stay free that we'd make the decisions that need to be done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I specifically pray against generational curses over us. And these are things that we see in every generation of our families. And I just ask you that we'd say no more. Right here and right now, we'd take a stand. That that each of us, as we think about what those curses look like and and what really goes on, that we would take a stand tonight against that. A real stand. And, and God, I pray that you would set us free. Lord, if we need to forgive, I pray we forgive. There's people likely associated with these curses that we need to forgive. And I just ask God, we just forgive. And it help us to forgive. And what that means, there may be some the repentance that needs to take place on behalf of our families. pray you'd lead us and guide us into that and give us wisdom on how to do that in Jesus' name. But I do pray freedom. I pray freedom. God, I pray for those of us who would entertain mischief in our minds. I do want to pray for this, and I, I ask God that we would no longer entertain that in Jesus' name. It's not funny, and it's not fun. And I just ask God your forgiveness for that and I pray your cleansing in Jesus' name. I pray we grow up tonight. We grow up and mature in you. Take a few moments. Say what you need to say. Do what you need to do. I'm just going to wait for a few minutes here. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Jesus, so Suhane, Kira Jesus, oh rather than Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Jesus, tonight, your big Savior, thanks. Thanks that we have been fully declared not guilty. And I pray that you would set us free. Set us free from ourselves and our tendency to try and put ourselves into bondage. I pray, God, that we would learn to live in more and more freedom in our lives more and more liberty, more and more forgiveness, and there'd be more and more life. Thank you tonight for all that you pour out, all the love and all the mercy and all the grace. Thanks. I pray, God, we find our dwelling place in the midst of all that. Thank you, Lord. We give you honor and praise as Lord and Savior. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. Amen.